the outside forces that are trying to take down this expedition are relying on Murderbot being as incompetent as the other security bots that get assigned. And uh, the, the company gets characterized as, like, the, the cheapest fucking possible organization you can imagine. Like, they're mm-hmm. cutting costs everywhere. And so the security bots don't get training. They're <laughs> just kind of like, you have weapons. It'll be fine. Um, but Murderbot is like, nope. I've seen this in my programs. I've seen this in my shows. I've seen it in my pictures. I know what to do. And executes all these, like, action hero-ass plans based on Top Gun, basically. I was going to say, like, (laughs) I've watched every episode of NCIS. I've got this. (laughs) And works is the problem. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I just want to be watching my shows, man. And this week, we read Martha Wells' award-winning sci-fi novella, All Systems Red. Before we hack our governor modules to watch 35,000 hours of media, remember you can help us on Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Oh, aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you just want to <laughs> override your governor module <laughs> and kill <laughs> a million miners and go apeshit? Yeah, and then uh, be forcibly uh, recommissioned to just be a security robot? Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, yeah, so do you do any previous uh, exposure to this book? Uh, just you talking about it. Okay, good. Um, so, like, for, for me, I, I heard about this in 2018 when it, like, was up for, I think, both a Nebula and a Hugo, uh, which I believe it won, so congrats to Martha Wells. Um, but, like, I, I read it when I was working at the school, and I just, like, read it at my desk, and, you know, I didn't like it that much when I first read it. Um, but I, I got the audiobook this time, and I my my enjoyment of it improved dramatically. I thought it was like a lot more fun. I don't know why. I guess I've changed a lot in the last four years. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder what could possibly have happened. <laughs> yeah, to make a dramatic change in one's personality in the last four years. Yeah, fucking weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I you know, I just want to talk about this um, for listeners. Uh, this is actually recorded in the. I mean, I guess they're all recorded in the past, but this one is going out, like, months ahead. Um, like, we, we don't know. Actually, Layla knows. But this is It'll this be is, episode 114. We are recording it at the same time as 107. Yeah, so literally seven weeks from, from the episode that's coming out uh, on the week that we're recording. So, like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, um, but, you know, it'll be a fun time. Uh, and I, you know, we just wanted to have something to to make sure that we had an episode um, for when Layla is uh, traveling. I'm gonna be a business baby. They're sending mm-hmm. me on a work trip, so I gotta. Well, two two consecutive work trips, so that's why we're. Uh, y- you'll hear uh, some interesting past past Aaron and Layla vibes on this episode, and probably on Fast Six. Uh, we'll find out what our second filler is going to be. But yeah, the vibes are going to be interesting. Just, they sure uh, will. Stick with us. Um, 
Yeah. Do you, hmm, do you want to do the plot summary or should I do the plot I summary? I feel like I haven't done one in a while. Yeah, I can do it. Go for it. Thank you for providing notes. Um, so this is, as Aaron mentioned, a novella, so it's a little bit uh, on the shorter side in terms of reading. Uh, it, it is about a security bot or a secu bot that refers to itself as murder bot and how it gets sent on a routine mission with a group of uh, scientists on an explore as part of like an exploratory or like a survey commission. Um, all seems pretty normal. Uh, Murderbot is more interested in watching the many, 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 many hours of television that he has downloaded um, because he quite literally hacked his own, uh, what is it, the governor? Governor module, yeah. Governor module, uh, which is the thing that makes him obey commands. He hacked it and disabled it just so he could watch television on his own time. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, the exploratory survey group gets attacked by a creature that wasn't in their brief. Oh, no. And that's when things start to go awry. And they start to notice that the other survey group has suddenly stopped re responding to, like, pings and all of a sudden they're not there and when they go to check on the security group or the other survey group uh they're all dead uh and so murderbot gets kind of dragged along on this uh mission uh to find out who the hell is trying to take down these survey groups why they're omitting pieces of maps uh and to protect these humans that he's actually kind of grown to like and who are kind of exploring their own feelings towards a security bot whose governor module is overridden um and, uh, yeah, in the end, he uh, gets purchased by the humans uh, so that he can live freely on their planet. And he's like, I'm tired of having decisions made for me. Peace. Uh, and he escapes. So that is the novella. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, I think it's novellas are great because they're short. Um, and, you know, as people who try to consume uh, a weekly piece of media, we like short um, but also, you know, I think it's very fun. I think it's a, a very good example of how tone can make or break a story. And I think that the the narrative tone and, and voice of, of, of Murderbot, um, that's what I'm actually speaking about is, is voice. I think Murderbot's voice is the thing that carries the novel. And I think I think they're great. Yeah, I um, I really liked it. I liked it so much, in fact, that I've actually wishlisted. I'm waiting for the second book to go on sale. Um, and I also found out that Martha Wells wrote a Princess Leia book. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I picked that up today. It is five bucks on Kindle right now. I'm really excited to read it because I... I really like this this uh, voice. And I, I, what I think what I appreciated about the novella is it, it plays kind of... It, first of all, it does us a favor in the fact that there are not a lot of proper nouns, right? We No. You and I have come out <laughs> quite staunchly against proper nouns in sci-fi. And this one has, like, you know, it's got a couple, like, Secubot, but, like, it's a security bot. That's pretty yeah. easy. We can figure that out. Um, there's, like, fake allusions to the company, but that's not a proper noun. It's, it's all good. Everything is pretty... Um, vague and you're as a reader you're left to fill in a lot of details um in terms of like what does anything look like what does a security bot look like you kind of at first start thinking that he's a robot because he doesn't describe himself and then you get to the parts where he's like yes he has embedded weapons but he also has armor that he can take on and off and he looks human under that armor and all of that is revealed 
piecemeal in a way that actually adds to the characterization of the murder bot because he doesn't care what he looks like. He prefers to stay out of human sight. And I thought it was very nice and engaging and uh, I liked it a lot. I'm excited to read the rest of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is definitely a series. Uh, I believe several of the, the following novellas also um, received awards. Uh, but yeah, I uh, highly recommend you, ch- you check out the whole series. Um, let's talk about our titular murder bot. Um, and I think we should start actually with how the way that we're gendering Murderbot because, like, it doesn't ever say uh, what Murderbot's gender is. Um, they often refer to the, the other characters refer to Murderbot as it. Um, but, like, in my notes, I started referring to Murderbot as, as a she uh, because that is, I had a, you know, a femme presenting voice for my audiobook. Um, and. Like, I think that's very interesting, right? That we both uh, um, gendered Murderbot differently, just completely um, based on, <laughs> not like, just the, all our own perceptions of it. Um, but yeah, should, I don't know. How do we how do we gender Murderbot here? Oh, I think we, I, you know what? I don't think Murderbot would care. I think we get to that's switch That's true. Murderbot absolutely does not give a shit. They're an asexual um, killing machine. They, they just want to watch TV. <laughs> yeah, so I think honestly, I there are more than enough people that go by any pronoun. I think we can just yeah play do it whatever fast and loose here. That's okay. pretty cool. Yes, uh, very interesting. But yeah, um, I, I think the the best way to to like kind of impart the tone um, uh, of what Murderbot is is I I have the the book pulled up and um, like the the quote is. Um, it had been well over 35,000 hours or so since then with still not much murdering, but probably, I don't know, a little under 35,000 hours of movies, serials, books, plays, and music consumed. As a heartless killing machine, I was a terrible failure, right? That's Murderbot's whole deal. Uh, she doesn't really give a shit about killing, even though she can kill. She really just wants to be left alone to watch her serials, specifically uh, Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon, which my understanding from the snippets in the novel is kind of like a trashy like space general hospital, um, which is very fun, and I love that. Well, here's the thing is, like, Murderbot... The outside forces that are trying to take down this expedition are relying on Murderbot being as incompetent as the other security bots that get assigned. And uh, the the company gets characterized as, like, the the cheapest fucking possible organization you can imagine. Like, they're Mm -hmm. cutting costs everywhere. And so the security bots don't get training. They're just (laughs) kind of like, you have weapons. It'll be fine. Um, But Murderbot is like, no, I've seen this in my programs. I've seen this in my shows. I've seen it in my pictures. I know what to do. And executes all these, like, action hero-ass plans based on Top Gun, basically. I was going to say, like, (laughs) I've watched every episode of NCIS. I've got this. (laughs) And works is the problem. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I mean, like, works, Murderbot gets fucked up several times, but because of the way that... um, you know, Murderbot is a robot. Um, to be fair, a robot with organic parts, um, which is very important. Um, but um, a construct is how they refer to it. Yes. Um, so, like, you know, it can get repaired if it goes in its little cubicle. Um, but yeah, I think it's very funny that like if you just watch enough TV and you have a gun, you you actually that's not funny. That's America. <laughs> Never mind. That is, I was going to say that's the reality we're living in right now. <laughs> I, I, statement withdrawn. Uh, but yeah, Murderbot's great, and um, you know, uh, 
he grows to love the people that he's you know on this mission with i mean love is a strong word but like cares for a lot of them you know once they start sticking up for for it and they're like okay this thing clearly gives a shit about us even you know it started protecting us even after it's like you know robot controller you know cloud system was deactivated it still did its job we should probably you know have its back i would say incredibly begrudgingly right oh (laughs) yeah it's not happy about it (laughs) it's like ah fuck (laughs) um i do like you know, uh, I uh, there's also like parts where Murderbot uh, is, and I want to say anthropomorphized uh, in an interesting way because, like, again, huge emphasis on the fact that it's a robot, mm-hmm. um, even though it has it's made up of inorganic components, and the organic components that it has are clone parts. Mm-hmm. So it's clone robot, and then it also gets armor. Um, and it can be repaired in a cubicle. Like there's, there's a lot of interesting world building around this, this concept of this construct, um, because it also exists in a world alongside augmented humans. Um, but the way in, (laughs) the way in which Murderbot begins to care for these humans is very, um, against her own will. Like, (laughs) she's just like... The part that struck me was in the beginning when she rescues those two scientists from the pit when they're getting attacked and she's dragging one of the the ones that's like having a panic attack up Mm -hmm. while holding the other one that's injured. And after reviewing the footage, uh, you know, part of the the reason they they didn't like try to incapacitate Murderbot when they found out that her... um, governor module was hacked into was because uh the like lead scientist was like hey she was calming um valescu Valescu, i believe yeah calming valescu down uh while she was dragging him out of the pit and after reviewing the footage she was like oh shit i didn't even know i was doing that yeah like like, completely unaware (laughs) (laughs) so it's interesting that like in that way right she has like a natural fight or flight trauma response even though we get a lot of her view of, of, of situations where she's, like, tapping into cameras, got communications, pushing thought, you know, like, it's it's very sci-fi, but then there's this, like, very human instinct to, like, fight or flight, block shit out. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I love Murderbot. I'm a stan. No, she uh, she kicks ass. Um, so, the, um, what's the place they're from? It's called Preservation Ox is the, um, it's, I think it's, like, a independent system of planets or like one like planet that hasn't been incorporated by you know all the terrible weird you know world building out out in in this universe um but this this group of scientists there's i think eight of them a lot of them have doctorates and and some of them don't i the main ones you need to know are dr mensa uh and dr garothan um, basically, Mensa is the main sponsor for Murderbot, who ends up buying its contract. Uh, Garothan doesn't trust uh, it. Um, and Mensa is also the president. Yeah, it's not like made explicitly clear, but the, like halfway through, they're just like, "Oh, the reason that these people are trying to to get you is because she, you know, she she's a high value political target." It's like, what does that mean? Eh, that's all you need to know, and it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Murderbot deadass at one point was just like. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't kill anyone important, and they're like, do you not know who we are? Did you not read your brief? And Murderbot was like, no. And they're like, like why? And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I took too much time away from my cereals. <laughs> so, and then they were like, yeah, so Mensa's the president, and Murderbot's like, hmm. Good. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but yeah, I mean, did, did any of them stand out to you in particular? I like Pinley. Pinley was the biggest advocate, I think, for Murderbot. Uh, seemed to be, like, the robotics expert. Um... I did also like Mensa. She was a bad bitch and didn't take any crap from anyone else. And that's what, there was a lot of times when Murderbot was like, hmm, that scientist has been on expeditions before. Mm-hmm. And it's very fun because uh, she's very, like, she's she's kind of, you know, Indiana Jonesy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, uh, th- there's a part where, like, uh, where Murderbot's like, I'm actually going to put in, I'm going to hack her profile and say that she's a good commander uh, because I expect her so much, which is very fun. Um, um, you do have a note here that says polyamory is the future. Do you care to explain? Yeah, I mean, like, basically every scientist whose relationship is noted um, is in some sort of, like, three- or four-way marriage. Um, and at the beginning, Murderbot's like, yeah, so the scientists are all, like, flirting with each other also, maybe a little bit. I mean, sometimes it's not even flirting, it's just, like, you know, strong admiration. But, um, you know, at the very end, it's explained that Mensa has, like, four partners and, like, a couple children and is in, like, this, you know, big, complex relationship. And it's very fun to be like, yeah, I mean, corporations do control everything in the future, which sucks, but at least we got rid of monogamy, uh, which is which is nice in some ways. Yeah, I mean, not, <laughs> I not for me. I don't know about for us personally, but no, not for the host of this podcast, but for other people, probably. Yeah, I support my polyamorous friends. Uh, get everything you want. Uh, mm-hmm. I can only handle one person at a time. Uh, Aaron, famously a wife guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so uh, then we have Gray Chris, which are we find out are. I like when they were um, evil ox for a second, when they didn't know the name. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're just like, uh, the evil team, the bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was really great. Uh, We don't know that much about them, right? Nope. They just sort of show up and then they negotiate with Murderbot and they're like, uh, I guess, I guess we, okay. And then they're defeated and then they're like, well, okay. That's it. Goodbye. I, I I forget the specifics of how they are defeated, but basically, um, you know, it's it's. I don't even think there's a huge showdown, right? They just sort of get scattered when the the launch goes off the launch probe. Uh, yeah, they get scattered, and because the the novella is from the point of view of Murderbot, and it goes offline, you don't get to see what happens after yeah, she no. gets shot off a cliff. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, you know, there's, there's like some lawyer stuff at the end. There's like, like a litigation, like there's some hints of that, but you know, we really don't know much about them besides the fact that they also were like probably not informed about why, you know, they were doing all this and what their targets were. And, you know, there's a lot of hints about like a bigger universe going on, but again, because it's a novella, because it's so contained, um, there's not really that much more, um, that you, uh, you need, I think. I think the the novel stays exactly as long as it wants to. Yeah, which I appreciate. Um, Then we have the company, as we mentioned. Just cheap motherfuckers. I was going to say, it's like Space Walmart. Space Walmart are just cheap. They don't want anything. I do also want to give an honorary shout out to the transport bot that shows up at the very, very end. Uh, It is a non-speaking robot. It just transports things. Murder bot comes up to it and is like... 
they can't like communicate with words, but it like pushes a thought. And she's like, I got all of this TV. Do you want to give me a ride? And the, the transport bot's like, yeah. Sure. I'm very bored. <laughs> Get up here. <laughs> so that's how Murderbot gets off planet. I thought that was fantastic. I too would be very bored and ready to watch some TV if I was a transport bot. Yeah, I mean, we don't get a whole lot of it, but we do get these suggestions that, like, all of the, like, cybernetic and, you know, like, AI people all have, like, a lot of complex interiority um, and the ways in which they are treated by the the humans in this uh, world, you know, does not allow for that. But, like, Murderbot, because they can communicate with, you know, computers and shit, like, kind of, like, susses out their personalities and is like, you know, I feel bad about, you know killing all of these other like security robots that got hacked because they are just like me um but like you know i i think that's it's a good way to to build out empathy for for both your character and like kind of the themes of the the novel and you know at the end just really nice to be like yeah i hitched a ride with this this like um you know machine that doesn't really want to talk but it did want to watch every episode of psych so that's called the barter economy baby (laughs) it's very good um Capitalism is unfortunately still alive in the Murderbot universe, but uh, we're making we're making it uh, work by trading illegally downloaded episodes of uh, Night Vale. Um, so yeah, I mean, like uh, you you have a you have a point here, which is just about how technology is vibes, uh, and I think we we've we've come out as fans of that in the past. Yeah, sometimes I don't listen. speculative fiction is fine right like i think it's fine to be like oh we could use solar power to make tea or something i don't know we do that now but like you know it's fine to to, to try to like speculate on how the actual science works but i also like that murderbot is just kind of vibes like how do they put what what when do you stop being an augmented human and become a construct what is the ethics of cloning what is the legality of all this how that happen what how do they put the clone parts together are they just cloning parts or are they cloning people and then chopping them up for i don't know it's just kind of vibes mm-hmm. what does a transport bot look like i don't know what is doesn't a- matter doesn't matter what do the habitats look like who cares is it a jungle planet a forest planet i don't give a fuck they're on a planet they're exploring you fill in the goddamn gaps and it doesn't like i get kind of frustrated when um books ask me to fill the wrong gaps like sometimes books leave so much to the imagination that it feels like work to fill in the world but this was easy right because all the things it asked me to fill in didn't actually matter to the story it's just like it's just like a little coloring book around Murderbot. You're like, I get to picture whatever the fuck I want happening here. Um, but speaking of vibes and, and kind of adjacent to the gender conversation we had earlier, like, what did you imagine Murderbot looking like? Because I didn't really like look at the cover before I went in. I know that there's a drawing. An illustration on the cover. Yeah, so I had seen the cover before, so I knew that, like, um, you know, when its whole armor is up and it's got its face paint uh, opaqued, it looks kind of like a, an armored astronaut. Um, so I knew that, but, like, excuse me. I um, I recently watched a video about um, the, the show Ex Machina, the, the movie Ex Machina, um, so that probably also colored my perceptions, but I really just imagined uh, Murderbot as kind of a, a white woman. Um that had a bunch of like armor on and i think that probably speaks to who i am as a as a as a man in the u.s where if i see an ai and i hear a female voice i'm just like oh it's it's alexa 
right? Uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I think I imagine them, like, I, it wasn't very specific, like, I didn't have a totally concrete picture, but definitely, like, the thing that came in clearest to me was, I'm like, I feel like this character would have a buzz cut, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, like, like yeah, like, baldish. Yeah, like, that really rang true to me. And then everything else was just kind of fuzzy, which I appreciated because, again, it was all just kind of vibes. Yeah, I, I don't think the story uh, lingers on details uh, to its credit. Um, it'll it'll add important, um, you know, uh, descriptions or you know explanations, but like it largely does trust its reader to sort of figure it out. Like it never explains that the um, software that they use to communicate is telepathic. Um, but like you kind of just like figure it out when it's just like, oh, I, you know, nudged this or I, I, I sent it to them. Like it's, it's, you, you kind of sort of figure it out along the way, just by the way that it's kind of written. Um, you know, similarly, like when, when they're talking about the, the technology, you just sort of kind of get the idea that it's like, kind of like, especially the relationship between Murderbot and the company and the governor module, right? They never explain like exactly what servers the government module is like, you know, shooting in internet particles from, you just sort of just like, it's all connected in this way. I don't need any more information besides that. Um, and I, I think that's pretty smart. Yeah, you really don't need to. And it, I think it's smart also because, you know, you and I are both writers, unfortunately. Uh, when <laughs> That's you what up, I would say. <laughs> when you set up a pretty concrete, uh, like, world infrastructure, you all of a sudden have to make sure that the things that cause events fit reasonably within your world infrastructure. So if you say that, oh, we have these three companies and they operate in these quadrants and these people are specifically in this quadrant, then company A can't send information through a satellite that company B owns because they're in this territory. But So how do you solve for company A getting that information over? Like, it becomes this whole thing. But now it's like, yeah, there's a company and there's satellites and I guess they download things. It's vibes. I'm into it. Yeah, definitely. And especially with a project like this that's, you know, 150 pages, um, you don't really need more than that. I, th I think the the story is compact and it gets where it wants to. Um, and, and that's that's smart. Um, and, and, like, I think that the, the, the main strength of All Systems Red um, is the fact that, like, its plot's really not that complicated, and it's probably one that you've heard before. Um, a lot of the criticism of this book um, was like, yeah, I mean, the plot's pretty standard. Uh, you know, a robot is helping a team of humans, uh, something goes bad, but the robot proves that it's more human than not human, and it saves them in the end, and everybody's happy. Um, and, like, that's completely fine, but, like, uh, that's also where, because it's such a, you know, I don't want to say boilerplate because that sounds like I'm, you know, shitting on the story, which I'm not, but like a standard story. Um, when you have those kind of like templates that people are familiar with, then you can sort of play around. Then you can just be like really getting into the interiority of, of the narrator, which is why I think Murderbot works because, you know, we have so much time just like seeing what this kind of standard story looks like through the eyes of somebody who is like, God, I don't want to be here i don't want to be here and i think it's funny that you point out that murderbot proves that he's uh 
more human than people assume because if you because the whole resolution of the book is that yes he proves that he is more human than people assume and therefore the humans like bust him out of his contract and and want to bring him home so he could like start a new life and he's like no 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 i'm a robot <laughs> bye <laughs> It's really fun. I like I like Murderbot um, uh, rejecting everything. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, it's 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 a really nice ending. I I think uh, nice, not uh, not like oh, it's it's heartwarming, but like I think it is is smart to be like Murderbot doesn't like humans. Like we've read this entire book about how Murderbot doesn't like people and it is very awkward and comfortable around people. Like there's all, all these like little inserts of like when people look at Murderbot. Um, because, uh, it says a weird thing. It'll be like, yeah, so I knew objectively it was about 1.8 seconds, but it felt like 20 million years, uh, the, the space between their, them looking at me and their response. Um, and like, we get this idea of like kind of a weird, uh, uncomfortable, um, person and like, so it makes total sense that even though they had, they did form a strong relationship with, um, you know, the, the PA crew and, and Dr. Mensa, it's just not they just aren't the family type they don't want to settle down ironic considering the other episode we are recording uh shortly <laughs> <laughs> which is all about family if you know what we're saying um but yeah no i mean i i think it's nice i think it comes to a good resolution and it allows for murderbot to go on and do more weird hijinks in the future so um yeah I, i'm sure the the murderbot uh saga continues in you know, now that you bring it up, I really should try to see if my local library has more audiobooks of the rest of them. Because, you know, it's a three-hour audiobook is something I crave, considering the other the other audiobook I tried to read and gave up on uh, this past couple weeks was, like, about the excavation of Jerusalem. And it was 19 hours. And I was like, this is a lot. <laughs> I crushed this novella in an hour and a half. Yeah, no, it's a breeze. I read, I mean, like, I, that's why I can't really do audiobooks, or if I do them, I have to do them at 1.25 speed, because uh, this neurodivergent queen <laughs> can't handle being spoken slowly to. So, uh, yeah, I crushed that shit in about an hour and a half. It was great. I was like, this is exactly what I crave. It got me back on track with my story graph goals, like my reading goal for the year is back on track. It's very sexy to me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so for our marketing minute, Layla, um... Uh, you know, in the spirit of, uh, I have two options for you. Um, one was like, if, if you could take a kind of a boilerplate, uh, tried and true, tried and tested uh, story and spice it up with fun characters, um, you know, what, what do you think your pitch for that would be? Or if you could write a story about evil corporations um, that are kind of like bland and cheap and, um, you know, the, the systems within them that are that are actively resisting their influence, what do you think that would look like? Hmm. I can I can give you my answer if you want some time to think. Yes. Yes. So this is uh, I've been working on a short story for a year that I just have not gotten around to finishing, but it is about like what if um Amazon slash Walmart um hired uh like mech pilots out of high school um and they slowly and they hired Naruto um and Naruto slowly um got dis dis uh, disillusioned with with his uh job being a mech security guy uh, and eventually turned the mechs uh, on his overlords 
Um, and it's written through the perspective of a nurse um, who is treating his wounds as he, you know, gets his ass kicked in his mech over and over again because of um, the reason, the, you know, you know how mech stories go where their pilot always ends up injured. Um, that's that's something that I've been working on for a long time and I haven't uh, finished it, but, uh, you know, but I want to get that done eventually. Hey, I love that you drew the comparison to our good boy, Nart. You are describing Paul Blart Mall Cop. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess I'll never finish that story now. <laughs> no, I think you should. I think you should redeem. <laughs> I think you should redeem Paul Blart. It's Mall if Cop. Paul Blart Mall Cop realized that he uh, actually should be a cab and drove his scooter into <laughs> the local um, police precincts headquarters. Um, I think you know what I think in the spirit of. Uh, the new Trigun movie coming out, which I'm very excited about. I love a Trigun. Um, I would like to see more um, of your kind of boilerplate action thrillers, but through the perspective of the insurance agents that have to deal with all the infrastructure damage. Because that is my favorite part of Trigun. Is it a beautiful story about Vash the Stampede? Yes. Is it about shootouts and are there great friendships, uh, great loves found and lost? Absolutely. You know what else? There is two insurance agents that are following around this man that are like, stop blowing towns up. And he doesn't. Um, so I do think, you know what? I think, I think we could um, create a duology where, um, you know, if, if you're the nurse cleaning up the wounds... Uh, or, or writing about the nurse cleaning up the wounds. Uh, I I could write about the insurance agents uh, for the warehouse and uh, the trials and tribulations of what they have to do to clean up after this heroic mess. That's fair. I think that's I think that's very fun. That's that's a good time. Um, yeah. If you have your own um, pitch for a TV show that takes a boilerplate story and, and makes it a little bit more interesting, or you know, just want to write something about uh, putting, you know, making a stand against corporations, you can call us at 775 573 8882 to leave us a little message. Um, and we will um, probably listen to it and say, Oh, what a nice thing someone sent us. And you can email us and we might respond on air. We're very amicable to communication. You guys should talk to us. Um, so, Aaron, before we go into our closing, I do have a couple of questions. Well, one question for you that I think you could mm -hmm. answer. Um, can you share with the audience a couple of things you've learned about James Cameron's avatar in the last couple of weeks? Oh, yeah. So I have decided to become avatar-pilled, um, for better or for worse. Um, I've been reading Pandorapedia at work, um, uh, and uh, I've learned a lot of really interesting stuff. I think that the um, uh, the thing about James Cameron's Avatar is that the world building is actually really cool, um, except for the parts that James Cameron personally interacted with. Uh, I watched a, a YouTube video about how um, to create the music for Avatar. Like they hired like a bunch of like uh, you know like renowned music researchers that studied like you know 18 different uh and you know various cultures from across the world and like used their styles and blended them together to create something literally like that that no one had ever done before um you know creating like a truly alien uh sequence 
uh, of music with like you know time signatures that are just completely different um because like the navi only have four fingers so like they're the way that they would play their flutes is completely different um and then james cameron listened to it and he's like oh this doesn't sound very good uh could you make it sound more uh western um and you'd have to hand it to james cameron uh the man fucking uh culturally appropriated his own species that doesn't exist um and that's that deserves some sort of award yeah sure uh definitely uh yeah so so great uh i you know i was debating pulling out the avatar watch alarm for this but i thought just a nice little sharing with the audience at the end of an episode uh would suffice we will i will be forcing aaron whenever he tweets a new avatar fact to share it on our good podcast Mm -hmm. uh i'm very particularly fond of the the banana fruit uh tidbit continue uh, so in the Navi culture, um, you, <laughs> if you find a banana on the ground, uh, you have to pick it up, but you can't eat it right away. Um, you have to bring it back and show it to all your friends, um, and offer it to them. Uh, and they're not supposed to accept because that's rude. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm eating a banana that you found. Um, and they're like, no, no, you can have it. That's, that's the culturally appropriate thing to do. But, uh, if you're a young teen Navi, uh, the thing to do is be like, oh, hell yeah, man. And try to eat the banana that your friend's offering. And your friend will then, um, you and your friend will get in a wrestling match over the banana. And sometimes the banana gets squashed in the fight. And, uh, apparently Navi teens think that's the funniest shit in the world i uh, i must be a navi teen because i think that's i was gonna say that's so fun <laughs> like that's such a fun weird specific thing i think specificity is so important when it comes to world building because if you can throw in like, like weird shit like that that's like oh these are just like normal people that do you know weird things like taking that thing that's like oh you can't eat a banana off the ground and also being like yeah but teens think that's stupid like that's good shit um and i guarantee you james cameron didn't come up with it <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of my, uh, I, one of my proudest, uh, accomplishments with my work in progress is, uh, there is a little town, uh, and they have a, there are two bakeries there that have a violent rivalry over who makes the better plum tart. Um, and it is a, it is a plot point in the story because the main character is a prince and he can't go inside either one because it'll be seen as siding. <laughs> exactly. No, it'll so. cause a political, uh, uprising. <laughs> He has, he has to be real sneaky about it, but, uh, yeah, do more shit like that. It's fun. Um, any, any final thoughts about either James Cameron's avatar or this great series that we read? Uh, I mean, God, the thing is that when this comes out in two months, um, I'm sure I'll have actually said a lot more wild shit about Avatar. so, uh, yeah, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, this is a weird window into the past, huh? Yeah, no, this is going to be, this is, I'm going to be so much smarter about Avatar in two months, uh, to everyone's detriment. Oh, man, well, I, I'm excited, uh, so, I think you can take us out. Uh, yeah, Layla, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. I will hopefully soon return to writing my webcomic. I just published an essay about why I think, uh, uh, queer reading modes are still important, 
And you can find me and Marty on our new podcast, Sit Boy, which will be coming, which I'm sure will be out by the time this episode airs, uh, where we rewatch Inuyasha a couple episodes at a time. Uh, and the rules are no skipping filler. We watch all the movies. And uh, no, we will not be covering Yashihime. So uh, join us. Uh, I will post a link whenever the show actually drops. Oh, my God. Is Marty a Inuyasha fan? Oh, we it was incredibly formative to both of us. I'm very excited okay, to read Okay, good. At least it. they they know what they're getting into because I would not do that. <laughs> We've both watched we both seen it twice at this point. This okay, will be our, well, I think our third full watch for both of us. All right. Well, you perverts have fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on twitter at aaron sxl where i tweet about tabletop rpgs health policy and writing um you know you can follow me um hold on you can follow my youtube channel at aa void where i tweet about uh or I, where I make videos about tabletop rpg reviews um i do another podcast with my friends at the bible boys uh we talk about christian media and either praise or condemn it and it's a fun and good time and also my co-hosts are ex-evangelicals and they're also siblings and they've been on this podcast before um they're gonna be on this podcast again uh when the duffer brothers drop their fucking death note oh fuck yeah well we'll look forward to that jesus um uh what else i was gonna say um at this point i've probably posted the story uh that i got published in broken plate magazine um it's called onward christian soldiers uh it's about uh what if thomas jackson got his arm ripped off by a big angel and that's how he died um so that'll go be up on my website at this point um it'll it'll be up at the end of uh july um but it was my first uh story that i ever got published in print which is a big deal for me so um that's nice uh, our theme song is obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Uh, Layla, how do we want to end this episode? Out of inventory and out of sight. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>